Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It is Tim Gillette back with another episode of the Tim Gillette Show. Today, I have a new guest, all right, that literally it's another one of those great expectations on this series where we actually get to know the person on air. So Elsie Ritzenhein, all right, is someone that was introduced to me, all right, by Kathy um, by, you know, by Kathy Mason. So you got to love Kathy Mason. All right. First of all, she's getting more props now than Craig Duswalt because she's introduced me to so many cool people. Uh, so, uh, I briefly read through Elsie's, you know, website last night. So I didn't want to learn too much because I really want to get to know her and her business on air. It's why, what this whole series of a hundred interviews in 30 days is all about. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring her on here, all right? We're going to have a great conversation this morning and get to know all about her together. Hi, Elsie. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks. thank you. It's it's, 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 it's great to talk to new people. You know what I mean? It's like yep. we're, uh, I've been talking to the same five people for 45 days. I, I like new people now, you know? <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah. Good how are you. how are you? First of all, let, let's ask this: How are you weathering the storm right now? I mean, because um, we have a lot going on in our world. The, um, actually, I'm I'm in a fairly good place, although I'm experiencing the, um, I'm noticing that a lot of my friends and my family are experiencing a great deal of anxiety over the over the virus, mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm feeling badly for them and feeling um, and I get a little bit of that too, just like everybody does. Mm -hmm. But what I'm 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 believe is that this is an opportunity. Uh, for us to uh, experience expansion and a transformation in the world, I really do believe that's what's happening. So, I because I'm I work with creativity, um, it's an opportunity to sit back and even even the, even the the quarantine mm -hmm. is an opportunity to sit back and be quiet a little more than I sometimes am because I love to talk and uh, and also to reflect. Mm -hmm. and, and, I've, and it's it's amazing. I've been learning all kinds of things over the past three or four weeks that um, that connect with the work that I'm doing about expansion and about um, uh, the the infinite playground that I work with and those kinds of things. So for me, and and I'm also I also feel very blessed uh, mm -hmm. to be comfortable in my life, um, unlike some people who are really suffering financially or whatever. So I'm I'm very blessed with with everything that I experience with what I do with my family and friends. So I have, I have no reason to complain. Well, that's cool. All right. But, but before this started, were you a work at home person anyway? So I will, I have been for, since I retired, I've been an educator. I was an educator all my life mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, taught school started as a, a music teacher in the 1960s. And um, then I took a, a a, a master's degree in teaching of reading. So I started working with uh, teaching English language arts. And then I started combining the two in what back then in the 1970s, we called integrated arts, integrated uh, arts programs, where we integrated the arts into the general education program. Mm -hmm. And I became a grants writer at that time. Um, and then just um, the short version of the story is that I just began exploring and moving into positions that w that allowed me to create programs mm -hmm. and to influence others, um, to uh, be a leader in in working with the arts. I worked with uh, some friends in California uh, on on the neuro with the neurosciences and how the brain learns. Um, it's been an exploration that has been incredibly rich 
And then ultimately, just before retiring, um, I worked as a consultant. I worked as a, after I retired, actually, worked as a, the director of a math science uh, magnet school where we incorporated the arts in, in whatever way we could with uh, teaching of math and science and uh, working with research, that kind of stuff. So that was an exciting endeavor. But then after I retired, I was doing some consulting and just before that, um, wrote a book. Uh, collaborated with a book on a book uh, called G the generative leadership where we were working with um, shaping new futures for today's mm -hmm. schools and I worked with a friend from Michigan Carl Klemek and with Kathy Sullivan who mm -hmm. is the astronaut who was the first woman who walked in space yeah 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 and she and Kathy and Kathy worked with us we the three of us collaborated on the book and then uh, as I was consulting and working I just all of a sudden had a a download one day and said, I need to write a book about creativity and contacted Kathy because I knew her through uh, uh, Bill Spady, another friend of mine. And we started working together and with she published my work. And so that was when I wrote uh, Awakening Your Creative Voice. And that's the work. That's the book I'm working with now. Cool. Um, cool. So it's been it's been a fun life, to be honest with you, um, with, with a very a lot of a lot of exploration a lot of trying new things um, and learning about courage. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> uh, I find it interesting. First of all, you said you were a teacher starting in the 60s. All right. You know what I mean? I started grade school in, I think, 71. All right. You could have very easily been my art teacher. I could have. Well, I, well or I could have taught you music. I was a music teacher. So, you know, and you would have loved my class, Tim. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> It, 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 you know, Elsie, it's funny because in school, like uh, like in grade school, I wanted to learn piano. And I, I, I till this day, I'm still trying to figure out how to play this guitar. All right. It's a it's a struggle for me to to pick up yeah. tasks. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that I won't someday, but I still I struggle with it. But in grade school, that's where I wanted to. You know what I mean? Like and, and I, I'm trying to think my brothers really don't play instruments, but my daughter does uh my stepsons they i mean they all my wife they, they all play music I, I just i i've not gotten into it it's not that i didn't try i remember that what do they used to call it the 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 the, the flute of phone or something like that or the recording oh, yeah, yeah i know i used to teach that yeah yes. yeah um i remember trying to learn that yeah. um i mean I, I i mean i thought that was interesting that really got me interested in music but i, I every time i went to pick up an instrument i would struggle with it how would you deal with students like me who wanted, but we struggled so hard to learn that one thing? I, I think um, it depends on the, on the scenario. If you had an opportunity to sit down, if, if I was a clarinetist, that was my instrument oh. from when I was in fifth grade. So that was my major in college. Okay. And, and so I started performing, uh, just a little side story, performing. Uh, I started studying actually at the university when I was a senior in high school and uh, performing then as well. And I taught music. I taught clarinet and flute and sax from the time mm -hmm. I was a high school senior until all the way through college. That's how I made my extra money, you know, for school. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the opportunity to sit down one on one with the teacher, the flutophone, you know, you 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 sort of end up doing that in a class, mm -hmm. you know, with everybody together. And and trust me, being the teacher in that class is not as easy as it's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think of the sound in my head. I can still fix it. And like, that would drive me crazy to it listen to it now. But I mean, 
Yeah, it's it it stands. It's right up there with a beginning violin class where, where everybody's trying to find the, you know, I mean, really. So, but I, it, I find the one-on-one that one-on-one um, connection with uh, the between the teacher and the child, and it, or a teacher and an adult doesn't mm-hmm. matter what age. So you can slow down. Um, if you're struggling, I can figure out where you're struggling, and I can slow you down and, and help you with, you know, with reading the music or help you with the, the finger positions or um, whatever it is you need and just mm-hmm. play with it. It's, it's sort of playing, putzing with, you know, what works and finding what is most beneficial for you. But I do think it takes a one-on-one or at least, you know, just a couple, three kids together where mm-hmm. you, um, I mean, I taught music uh, from, like I said, from the time I was in high school, half hour lessons, and often they gave me the fifth and sixth graders to start because I was the student, you know, teaching the students. And uh, it's it you learn to be patient and you learn to, to slow down and you learn to pay attention to that student, uh, that person that's sitting there with you and to listen to what it is they're struggling with. So it's a, it's the connection really between the people as much as it is learning to, read, you know, and learning to play. So, I mean, and, and, you know, now, I mean, I love listening to certain, uh, listening to certain music and stuff. There's, I mean, it just inspires me. Um, and one of the things that I, and I'm also uh, into content, that's why I have a show. So I'm always searching the web for like interesting videos. And I was watching a video. Now my favorite band is I was into rock and roll. My favorite band was Van Halen. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, pretty sure you're familiar with Eddie Van Halen and his, his guitar, yeah. Um, I was shocked to find out that Eddie Van Halen can't read music. Oh, my dad, you know, my dad was a self-taught guitar player. I grew yeah. up in Southern Ohio down in the hills. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he was in World War II, came home from the war, um, uh, had a group of guys that he played with. Uh, sometimes they and they called it playing music. That's what they would they would play music. Maybe every couple, three months they'd get together and they'd, they'd, they'd sit in somebody's living room or in their kitchen. In our house, it was in the kitchen. And if they got lucky, they'd have a, a, a fiddle player and sometimes a banjo and usually a couple, three guitars. And they'd get a big wash tub and fill it with beer. And the women would play canasta and we'd all just run around and get dirty. The kids would. But he played uh, all of his life. Uh-huh. And well, until he got older, he finally put the guitar up. And uh, he he never read music, played everything by ear. Mm-hmm. And back then, a lot of a lot of the the, the old uh, country western, Hank Snow, Hank Williams. Yeah, yeah. And we used to go uh, to uh, a place in Newark, Ohio, called Hillbilly Park. Okay. And we would go there every summer when the Carter family performed. Oh, wow. And that's when June Carter Cash, you know, was a young woman, and yeah. she was an auto harp player and played with her mother and her sisters. And one of the girls played string bass and a couple of guitars and she played the auto harp and she was a comedian back then mm-hmm. and beautiful, beautiful woman. And I just, every summer, I couldn't wait to go see her perform. So, and my dad took us to the Grand Ole Opry. It was the only vacation we ever took. Oh, wow. And Minnie Pearl and all that. When, and what he wanted, because my sisters also were musicians, he wanted us all to learn to play guitar so we could become a country western trio. And we, that never happened. Uh-huh. But, but the interesting thing is that my son, who is 38 now, um, he is has his grandfather's guitar. Oh, and wow. He had it refurbished and he's now taking guitar lessons. And um, 
building. He, my, my little oldest granddaughter's going to be six tomorrow, and she, he built her a little small guitar that she can play um, for her birthday. So it's it's really fascinating to watch uh, the impact that my my dad had mm-hmm. on my son. Um, we just got used to him sitting. His army buddy would come up from downriver in Ohio, and they, their family would visit, and they'd sit out on the porch with their guitars, and and uh, the little, they had those little box amplifiers back then, you know, that they'd hook into, and everybody on the street would come out, and sit on the front porch to listen to him play. We were just we were always around that and he never read never read music and wow. he did say to me when i graduated from college um how i was the first in my family to actually grip my extended family even to graduate from college and wow. he told me how proud he was of me he said i i want you to know how proud i am of you and mm-hmm. i want you to know how much i hated sitting through every one of those concerts i had to go to because <laughs> he hated classical music oh, wow. <laughs> yeah and, and, I mean, I, there's story after story, but he he was he was very accomplished at playing as well as he could play. Yeah, and, yeah. and and he had this social group, you know, that he played with. And it was it was a big part of our life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, for someone who was not really what they would call super skilled, you know, mm-hmm. not like I was or, or others that were trained, you know, to do that. Uh, yeah. And, and just, you know, I mean, it's always been, you know, I mean, the art of music is, I mean, it's, it's interesting to watch. All right. And, um, you know, I've always, you know, it always makes me excited to watch things that are like different, talented, different twists. All right. I mean, yes, I love rock and roll, but like, um, you know, you know, going to like, to me, the ultimate musician was Frank Sinatra, even though I'm a rock and roll guy. I mean, Frank Sinatra was amazing at what he did. Yeah. Um, but then I go study other people who, you know what I mean? Who did interesting things with music. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and it blows my mind, you know what I mean? That, you know, some people who actually go from one genre to another, all right. And, and, and can play no matter what, uh, yeah. well, like I'm thinking like kid rock, kid rock went from weird, uh, um, head banging or, you know, weird rock and roll to country Western. Right. And he does it really. I mean, he plays it just so well. Um, and, and seeing those talents and I'm going, man, I mean, and, and the bad part is, is me wants to compare my musical talent to theirs. Okay. There is no comparing. I'm comparing my worst to their best, you know? Yeah. And I think it's all relative. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's like my dad, even though he couldn't read, well, he loved to play and he loved country Western music. I mean, mm-hmm. he and my mother went Saturday nights. They went square dancing almost every week. Mm-hmm. They'd either go to the American Legion or they'd go down to the lake to Paradise Lake and they'd go dance, you know, down there. Um, he loved country music. We had Midwestern Hayride on every every Saturday night before they went out, you know, and um, it was just a part of our life. I still to this day absolutely love bluegrass music. Ah, I do too. I still do. Yeah, yeah I do too. And I'm a classically trained musician. I love the symphony too. Mm-hmm. When I go to the symphony, I can get really immersed in in that because I play. I didn't play. I played in bands, you know, big concert bands. Mm-hmm. I didn't play in symphony quite so much. But I know that what it feels like to sit on that stage and play with that large group of people. Um, and I love the music. But I but bluegrass is, is like my heart, you know. Mm-hmm. So so. Uh, Every now and then I put a little bit on in the car just and I also put on the 70s um, uh, disco stuff because I used to dance all the time, you know, in the 70s when I was when I was in uh, 
college and danced to all that good. The Bee Gees, I love the Bee Gees. And, oh, yeah. But, uh, and jazz, uh, Brubeck was big when I was in college, Dave Brubeck. Mm-hmm. And I used to listen to him. Um, we had record players with vinyl, you know, records in the room. And we used to put on take five. He and Johnny Mathis was how mm-hmm. what we went, my roommate and I went to sleep with every night. And wow. we put one of those recordings on the record player, and that's what that's what we listened to. And I I did see Rubeck's group play once at Ohio State when I when I went I, I went to school across town, but I uh, at a, a a smaller school that had a music conservatory. But uh, we went over to Ohio State when Rubeck came to town because that was a big big thing to see. So yeah, I mean I, I I could name the music that I've seen and done throughout the years and watched and. Yeah. Um, we love going to symphony here, but like, I got to still say my favorite, uh, concert or what you would call performance is still every Christmas. I want to go, uh, see Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yeah. I've amazing. Seen They're amazing. That yeah. is the ultimate music. Yeah. All right. No matter what the genre, because of the fact, and I, I, I didn't realize until we went to see it in concert. These are like, these aren't like, you know, your superstars, like, you know, Van Halen. These are guys who are like just ordinary musicians who play for the love. They're not making millions to do this. Right. And right. they play their hearts out. Right. Uh, and that's, pa- you can see the passion in yeah. the music. You being a teacher and a creator and an artist, all right, how many students have you seen have the passion for it to where they may not do it for a living, but you know, they're going to be doing it well into their 90s because the passion carries there. Oh, I would say only a handful, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think there are those students that love that well, it depends on whether they perform, whether they like to play or not. Mm-hmm. If I saw, if I talked about students who actually play, mm-hmm. you know, or or sing or uh, do, I, I suppose there would be would be what I would consider a handful, maybe maybe 10, 15 percent. I'm just guessing. Yeah, right. um, there are lots of of students that loved music, but mm-hmm. they didn't always love the music I gave them to. Yeah, yeah. And when I was teaching. Um, elementary music, the thing that I, I chose to teach elementary music rather than con, uh, be a band. I was t- trained to be an orchestra conductor, band conductor, because mm-hmm. I was an instrumental musician and that's what they did back then. Mm-hmm. But in the 19, I graduated college in 1965 and back, I, I just wasn't into being a, an orchestra conductor at the time and I had other things I wanted to do. But I loved elementary music because I could create a classroom where we could dance and we could, you know, we, and I was never a good piano player, by the way. I never studied piano until I went to college. Yeah. I had stories till the cows come home about the embarrassing uh, finals I had to take yeah. on piano because I was never really good at it. But I, but, um, so I used the record player a lot and we did a lot of movement. And then there was a, a program called Orf Schulberg that okay. came from Germany. And it was the kids could learn to play xylophones and they could learn to, you know, play different instruments and create um, ensemble work. And so then we would do that and they would move to that. And then I and I remember I finally the PTO bought me a gong so I could I could hit the gong and the, the students would do all this lovely movement. They would explore, you know, different levels with their bodies and all of that until the sound stopped and then they would freeze and then I'd hit it again. I love that I loved the I loved the creative the, the creative the variety yeah, yeah. of creativity that we could do and um, I I think that there were kid more students to go back to your question who um, 
who got into that, you know, who were connected to that because of the variety than if it were simply just a choir or whatever. But I have to tell you, I'm still connected with a couple students, believe it or not, really? women who are teachers. Uh, one of them was a student of mine in second grade. And um, the other, it was in another school that I was in. She and her twin sister were students of mine in elementary school. But the first one, uh, I'll just, her first name is Paula. She is now the president of the Michigan Education Association. Wow. The whole, you know, teachers union in the state of Michigan. And Paula and I found each other again about two or three years ago. So we're in, t in touch with each other. And she became a music teacher and um, taught in a school district near here. Mm -hmm. And it's just been a thrill to, to still be connected. It's a heart connection that mm -hmm. we have to still be connected with her. And I watched her all the way through school, watched what she did in college. She actually taught in a preschool that where my son was at one time. It's mm -hmm. sort of like a divine connection that yeah, yeah. Two of us have. It's an energetic connection that just never, never stopped. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm still on Facebook, even with students from the magnet school that, you know, that I've connected with. But yeah. I, I think that there are way more students that connect to the music and feel uh, an attraction to the music than actually become musicians, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. Well, me, like I'm, a, I'm someone who's connected to the music and uh, like, you know, one of my clients is a music therapist who who's, you know, talking about playlists and how it matters to you and your, and yeah. your well-being. Right. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting that, you know what I mean? Certain musicians and, and like my, one of my, my renters and friend uh, actually who lives a couple doors from me here in my complex. Um, He's a, you know, a musician for like three bands here in Dallas. Uh, and he came over one day and he was trying to pick up the guitar and show me some things. And I'm like, I, I just can't. Um, yeah. And it's, it's weird. I, I mean, I shouldn't say I can't because I need to program the mind. that I can. I know that. But anyway. <laughs> well, it depends on how much desire you have too. Yeah. And I, you know, there are lots of things like I, you know, I learned to play the recorder and the flutophone and, you know, all of that stuff. And there are certain things that I love to play. I haven't played clarinet for a very long time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's still in the closet here. And I, it's about time for me to get it out and show my grandchildren, you know, that I can play. But I, there are lots of other creative things that I did. And mm -hmm. still the attraction to music is incredibly, incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. So, well, well, you know, I love it. All right. So, but you said you retired as a teacher. When did you retire as a teacher? I retired about, let's see. I retired about 13 years ago as a teacher. I'm, I'm 76 now. Mm. And I was about 63, I think, when I retired. Well, I retired as a teacher earlier than that because mm -hmm. I was working as a consultant at the, at the county uh, school district here, uh, going into school, school districts and doing um, curriculum integration work. And then I, took, I was at the magnet school for 11 years after, after I retired. Mm -hmm. But I left as a teacher uh, before before I went to the ISD. So it was probably in the mid nineties. Okay, okay. And so, and, and even, well, even before that I was doing, you know, are you familiar with title one, the, the national program that works with children um, uh, with math and reading problems, you know, in classrooms. Uh, I am not, but I'm sure my father was, but anyway, yeah. yeah. But we, they, we, I trained paraprofessionals to work with teachers to help, help to be in the classroom to help students that had trouble with reading. And I loved that job because I could do a lot of 
introduction of creativity and different ways of working. So I left teaching the classroom probably in the mid nineties, early to mid nineties. Okay. And then I, then I, and, and I left the classroom before I actually left permanently for five years as a grant director. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to, to the classroom because they wouldn't keep me on the district wouldn't keep me on in that administrative position. So mm-hmm. um, it was, it was, I was in and out, you know, in and out. Um, but I mean, I find it interesting. I mean that, you know what I mean? You may have retired from a position, but you're still very active in that community. Correct. I'm active. I still work. Yes. In fact, I just had a zoom call last week with several friends of mine that I have a group that I call the network for creative possibility. Mm. And um, several members, that's it's a local group that I'm I'm probably expanding as as we speak, you know, on on uh, nationally, depending on who I'm connecting with. But uh, there all but two of us are two of us are retired. The others are all either in the classroom or one of the women is an attorney now. And she taught school for for um, 20 years or more before she left the classroom. So Mm. I have a really strong connection with what's happening in education and um, what I believe we need to do and what I think we're going to be in some ways forced to do as a result of this pandemic mm-hmm. and, and, and because of the digital uh, uh, education that's going on right now. Okay. Would you mind? Would you mind if we went into that? All right, because I mean, I want to. I want to tie how you work with these this right now, and hopefully, some of the people that are listening in can learn from this. Please. Well, what I do is I I do consulting, or I do what I really like to do is have what I call creativity conversations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity to talk on Zoom, or it's an opportunity to talk with people personally, depending on where I am and what I'm doing. And I can do coaching, you know, if that's what what people want. But what I what I really am fascinated by and believe needs to happen is that the world is changing. I I simply I simply if we watch what's happening energetically and what we watch what's happening in the universe, there's a there's a, a shift that's happening in the world that's moving more towards. A perspective that's important for cooperation and collaboration, and you know, listening to one another and being able to uh, um, look at different perspectives um, than what we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a, as subtle a shift as it used to be. I think what's happening with the pandemic is that it's forcing us to move into those roles, especially if we just look as an example of how much more attentive we are to those that are working in, in, in hospitals and working, you know, in places where we're stopping and we're doing drive-bys and we're letting them know how much we care about Mm -hmm. what they do, that kind of outpouring of love. Well, the creativity conversation is an opportunity for us to sit down and connect with one another and to be able to start talking about and listening to one another about what needs to happen to change mm-hmm. in schools. And the first thing that I, I suggest, I in fact, I asked this group last week, I said, what is it that you feel you would like to create? You know, what is it that you think needs to change where you are? And they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty, pretty adamant about telling you, they'll tell you pretty quickly what mm-hmm. they think needs to change. And a lot of it has to do with changing how we teach students. That's one of the comments I got. The other was um, paying more attention to the kids you know, having more of a connection to those students that are in our classrooms rather than just the testing 
and whether the students are achieving, you know, on the standardized tests mm -hmm. and also whether they, the only thing that we're doing is, is letting them, letting them pass tests so that they can get into college. So that's, that's a long conversation that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but being, being allowing, looking at those students and paying attention to who they are and to what it is they need and also talking with them and designing education that allows them to explore, that allows them to have a voice and that allows them to be creative in how they learn and in how they interact with one another mm -hmm. much more than they typically are in the classroom. And I, I think the fact that we're pulling away from the actual classroom and working digitally is going to, to help people start asking questions. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to force us to do that. But my, my role is having an opportunity to talk with the teachers, um, to ask them questions um, in the, in the awakening, your creative voice book, even though the, the book is targeted for women, it's, it has a tremendous amount of information in there for the men as well, because that the seesaw that I have on my playground is the balance between the masculine and feminine energy Mm -hmm. That is so powerful when you get that center and that sweet spot where we, you know, there's the skill and the logical and the action part. Then there's the caring and the heart and the listening and the the capacity to um, uh, it. What uh, uh, one of the writers that I love, who's a who's a jazz musician, wrote a book called Jammin' for business uh, management, and he he talks about the sweet spot in the middle between um, the sheet music and jazz mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're two different styles and you find that sweet spot and you're that, that means that you're balanced and you can listen, you know, to both sides. I don't think we do that. Yeah. Um, the other is that I, you know, I work a lot with leadership. So I'm, I'm fascinated with working with teachers and with administrators and helping them learn to lead in ways that are different from what they've done before. If they're ready, they have to be ready. I love that. The, if they're ready part. Yeah, if they're ready. I mean, um, that, cause that was me for years. Uh, Elsie is, is I wasn't ready to learn a lot of things, but when I was ready, Oh my God, did I pick it up fast? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah. All right. And in and being a, the fact that you were a teacher, I mean, I'm probably, you've probably seen my case a hundred thousand times <laughs> and you're probably like, Tim, I, this ain't new. I've seen this. But to me, I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, OK. That's how I have to learn it. <laughs> well, and, it, and there's a there's a there's a whole sense of desire, you know, for what you want to know. And there's a purpose for what you want to know. And a lot of times if we just allow the kids to relax and start talking about what it is they care about, you can find ways into teaching pretty much any subject that you're teaching that gives them a voice and gives them good questions and ways to interact with one another. And they also learn to listen to one another in a different way. And that's something that we really, really need mm -hmm. right now in the world. We need that, I think. So that is just it's a way of learning, but it's also a way of being that I, I think is important. For yeah. So you mentioned a book, you mentioned the fact you collaborated with some books. All right. How many, how many books have you written right now? Just the two. Just the two. Yeah. So, uh, and what, what are they again? So we, our, my listeners can, if you got, and yeah, if you got copies of them, by all means, let's show them up here. This is the one that's available on Amazon. It's called Awakening Your Creative Voice. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle is Women in a World of Possibility. It's a bestseller on Amazon. And that this one's available right now. And this is the one that has um, 
the model for working with creativity that is, is developed around a playground. Mm-hmm. So um, it has, I have a, an eight and a half by 11. So the model is, let's see, I got to balance it here. Oh, yeah, go. Yeah, there you go. There. Right there a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Hold, so, on, hold on. I want you to hold it as close to the camera as possible. I'm going to do this neat trick where oh, all right, oh, cool. it over. Look okay. at that. How's that? So yeah. there, you'll see in the middle, there is the, the merry-go-round. There we go. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. And the merry-go-round is the possibility space is in the center. And then there are four seats on that merry-go-round. There's the play seat, the uh, the technique seat, the plan seat, and the risk seat. And there's a context, you know, it depends on what we're working with. And then if you walk around through the playground, you can you you tap into your intuition. Um, you talk about being mindful. There's the seesaw, the both ends down in the corner. And then improvisation, which is really what we're doing right now. And then over here, over here, there are some things with um, how we can be and some principles and an action piece that and all of those are developed in the book so that it's uh, it's like it's almost like a workbook that you can go through. And it it is also about education, about uh, creative leadership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How to lead their focus questions in the book, that kind of thing that uh, allow people to work, to journal and to work through the process. The mm-hmm. possibility space is really a critical space because mm-hmm. that's where we allow ourselves uh, to get quiet, like we were saying earlier, to reflect and just to ask good questions uh, either of each, each other or of ourselves so that what emerges out of that, it can be something that's new and different. And um, so there's that model that's in that book. Uh, the other one, I, I don't think uh, Corwin, it, it was published by Corwin Press. It's no longer in in uh, being published. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was called Generative Leadership. Okay. And uh, I I still use a lot of of work from that book. We had tools that were there because it's about generativity, which is mm-hmm. really about creativity. Uh-huh. And, uh, but the, the awakening book is, uh, the one that I'm working with now. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm working with it personally. And also uh, I have friends that use it for personal growth. I have friends that use it, uh, with, uh, book dialogues, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, and I probably will add to it as I go along because I'm learning more about myself and about where creativity fits and what we need in the world as we go through this experience, these experiences that we're, that we're doing. Cool. Cool. So, uh, well, this has been very, very informative for me because, and very, very learning wise as well, because like, you know, it's like, it was eye opening that that's why I was the way I was based on some of the th- the stories you've told today. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, uh, that's and, cool. I know, and, and that you 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 could have been my music teacher. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You, I'm serious. You would have loved it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I could that, have. That, you could have played the drum, and that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I did want to learn drums too, and I, I I remember there's a school here in Dallas um, that was built off of that school of rock idea. There was like a movie about it years ago. And basically the idea was to get people playing along with songs they knew yeah. to learn the instrument. Yeah. And I, I and I, I went into one of the studios one day and met one of the guys and he's part of a, another um, another tribute band here in Dallas, which now I seem to know know all the tribute bands because my neighbor's in one of them. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but it, it's interesting. That was a concept that I thought I'd try that. All right. And again, I, I don't know what it is. What When I find the key, yeah, makes will. me learn something. All right. I'm going to jump yeah. for joy yeah, and do will. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I really, I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, you'll find I, 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 just a, a couple little things, you know, to tag onto this. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I talk about in the book, and I and I like I say, I, I talk to women because I, I really do believe right now we're in a position where women need to find their creative voices, not just their combative voice, but their creative. You know, I went through the first women's liberation in the 70s mm -hmm. and we worked a lot on just being like the men. And yep. the times are different now so that that our creativity, all of us are born, all of us, but male and female are born with a create with a creative essence. All of mm -hmm. us are. So um, there was that, you know, that focus for this. But the essence that we have, you know, I ask, where is your, you know, where is your creative voice? Mm -hmm. Where is the, your creative voice for leadership? Um, all of us have that essence and going into that possibility space is where we can find that. And I'm still at, at my age, still finding uh, parts of me that um, were buried, you know, as a child just recently that I, that I'm I'm being able to talk to that little girl that lived in there that didn't know she she was she she had a talent for something you know all of that that's allowing that to go away that that fear or that block to go away and just open and allow what is creative and what is it's sort of like your music thing just to open that door and allow that creative essence to say okay I'm willing to try that and it takes courage to do that the other is I wanted to share. I, I wrote this down this morning because I was reading a magazine and saw a quote by Goldie Hahn. And she said, what you create is who you are. And I thought that was worth thinking about, too. Mm -hmm. you know, or what we create is really who we are. But we, it doesn't mean we can't change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So very, very interesting, uh, Elsie, that you actually shared all this with me today. And and man, I, I'm actually taking notes, uh, you know, <laughs> of things I've learned today uh, yeah. that will hopefully help me on my journey to continue learning uh, long past my, you know, long past. Well, I'm never going to retire. So <laughs> sure, me neither. Me yeah. neither. not yeah. really. Not yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I may have retired from different companies yeah. or something like that. But yeah, I'll never retire from one yeah, of them. Yeah. I love things. Anyway, I'm always going to be a learner too, I think. Yeah. Always going to be in education. So yeah, good, um, for good for you. Let's see. Some of the people actually have in comments in here. So yeah, Kathy stopped by, leave some comments. Um, of course, we all love Kathy because she's brought us so many Tim Hill. Oh my God. Thanks for stopping by. And then we had uh, 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 Dana. Oh, Dana. Yeah. Ooh, okay. I just saw her last night. She and I are working on a project together. Cool. So, uh, and it looks like Don Lynch, and she said hi to Don. So it looks like yeah. Don Lynch stopped by, and then Tim is somebody I know. Yeah. So there's some cool people stopped by and visit us today. All right. And we both, between the two of us, we know them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, at least uh, Elsie, uh, yeah, I want to say at least, but Elsie, uh, yeah. I told you I was going to mess that up once. All right. There's my once. I got gone. Where is a website or something that people can get a hold of you and find out more about you? Well, I'm the elsieritzenhine.com, mm -hmm. uh, which has been going through the, the, the it's on the screen now. Um, mm -hmm. They can find me there and also on social media, okay. you know, on Facebook if they're interested. So Cool, cool. Well, Elsie, I have a game to finish out my show. Have you heard about my game? I, I briefly, just briefly, yeah. <laughs> so I've made a list of this or that <laughs> questions 
Uh-oh. And I think I've got one or two that might be related to you. We'll see. Oh, okay. All right. But uh, I always like to start this off with, uh, you know what I mean, my, my, my techie, uh, you know what I mean, geeky self wants to know if you're into either Star Wars or Star Trek. Start, well, both of them, but Star, Star Wars I love. Okay, yeah. Um, then my next one here, um, would you rather dress up or would you rather just wear yoga pants all the time? Um, I like yoga pants, to be, to be honest <laughs> More comfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you a cat person or a dog person? Oh, I'm both, but I've had cat. I've had. I have neither now, but I. I um, but I had cats for over fifty years, and I. I'm the. I'm the resident lady with the dog treats in my condo complex. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We lie in the dog stop and wait for their treats. <laughs> <laughs> really. They look in the window until they know that I'm there. Until until they, they they tell you that yeah I'm here. Where's my treat? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I haven't tried that with all the dogs that are in our complex because all the dogs love me here. So yeah, yeah me too, me too. Um, Except these days, you can't you can't pet them. You know. Yeah, so. yeah, that is. I'm I'm avoiding some of them, but yeah. <laughs> and we have we have one one lady in our complex that has this tiny little dog that would always run up to me, and then we have this tiny lady with this big dog. All right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. So uh, if we're going out to eat, would you rather have a taco or a hamburger? Taco. Taco, yeah. This is my that's one of my favorite questions to ask, by the way. Love tacos. Yeah, yeah. You're going on vacation. Are you going to the beach or the mountains? Oh, that's tough. I would split it depends on the time of year. I would split one vacation to the beach, one to the mountains. I love them both. Mm -hmm. Well, they each have their charm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. How about going to the movies? Would you rather get popcorn or candy? Popcorn. Popcorn. I've, a lot more people are popcorn than candy. I've had a few that want popcorn and candy. I, well, I would do both too, but popcorn is, yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. So this next one may be a personal preference. Is it called a violin or a fiddle? Depends on what you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm at the concert, it, if I'm at the, the, the symphony, it's a violin. If I'm doing bluegrass, it's a fiddle. And it's funny. It's the same instrument. It's yeah. just different name for it right yeah. and it's how it's played yeah, yeah. yeah. yep yeah. exactly yeah. so my next one here is one that actually has created wars but i have to ask it and that is does the toilet paper go over or under on that roll oh it goes over all right <laughs> see how easy that was <laughs> well you know you would not believe the discussions we've had on my yeah. show about that it question goes over if you can get it these days oh yeah that was the other thing i was saying for the longest time if you can get it but yeah, yeah. and my last one's just one of those personal preferences everybody wants to know all right boxers or briefs 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 <laughs> See, not that hard. <laughs> Gosh, nobody's asked me these on, you know, on an interview that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's designed to be a fun podcast at the end. All right. Because I really want people to actually see a lighter side to all of us. So um, do me a favor, repeat your website one more time so that everyone can find you. LCRitzenheim.com. Cool. Well, thank you, Elsie, for coming on the show today. I appreciate you being our guest. All right. And sharing with my audience a little bit about you and your business and your world. And it's thank been you. great hearing from you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Thank you, you very much. You bet. 
So you, the listener, we thank you for tuning in today. Please go uh, check out Elsie and, and at her website and uh, get to know more about her, just like you've learned to come to the show and know a lot of people over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we thank you for listening. Please go subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as uh, subscribe on podcasts on Anchor FM and iTunes. I'm Tim Gillette with another episode of the Tim Gillette Show. Come back tomorrow when you'll find someone else. Talk to you later. Bye now.